Well, good morning, gang. Oh, praise the Lord. I walk up here, I see everybody scurrying away from the coffee urn. <laughs> Sorry, I guys, but hurry up. <laughs> I, 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 I'm trying to be conscious not to breathe and sink too deeply into my mask because I don't want to be fainting like last week, uh, I the heartbreak of halitosis. But I think Ram was saying he was experiencing that same thing. He was just being overcome by the fumes, you know. But why don't we pray? Father God, we do want to thank you for this morning, Lord. And what a particularly joyous time of worship we enjoy, Lord. And the reading of your word. And uh, what a blessing it is to just gather as a people, Lord, the, the general assembly of believers, Lord. And we thank you for just the great outpouring of your spirit into our hearts and lives as we gather to worship you, Lord. And we truly want to be a people to worship you in spirit and in truth, Father. And we pray, Lord God, that as you are with us here in our midst, Lord, we pray that you continue to minister to our hearts the great things of Christ Jesus, Father. And we thank you for the opportunity we have to gather. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to uh, go over the internet, Lord, and into the homes and the offices of people uh, uh, not being able to join us here this morning, Lord. So we thank you for the opportunity, Lord, and we thank you, uh, Lord God. We, we want to uh, just uh, make mention, Lord, of the faithful giving of the body of Christ, Lord. And we ask you continue to bless the tithes and the offerings and all those who participate in uh, sharing in the ministry, Father. We do thank you, Lord. We do praise you for your faithfulness and love, Lord. And we ask, Lord God, that now you lead us as we worship you through the study of the word. Again, bless our families who couldn't be here with us this morning. But we thank you for we who are gathered together. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. We're going to continue in our study through the book of Acts, guys. Uh, you know, this is, the, this is really a long introduction into the books of Peter, uh, First and Second Peter, but we will be eventually getting there. Uh, I would say probably next week we'll get into the, uh, the book of Peter, but just by way of the announcements and opportunities, we don't want to forget that. Uh, the Calvary Chapel Association Pacific Pastors Leaders Church Workers Conference is happening August 22nd, 2020, just in a couple weeks, guys. We're going to be live streaming the conference here at the chapel for everyone to view. So if you'd like to come out and just hang out and relax and enjoy the teaching of the Word, there should be a lot of good worship, a lot of... Uh, of various speakers teaching the word. We're going to gather here. The conference starts at 8 a.m., so we'll gather here a little a bit earlier and running to about 4 o'clock, and should be a dynamite time uh, to view all, all the uh, teachings, to hear all the teachings. And I really think that a lot of the guys, they're going to be addressing what's going on uh, in the world today, so it should be very enlightening as well as uh, encouraging for us. You know, I th I'm sure the chapel will going to provide some of the refreshments, but all uh, are invited to sh uh, bring some food to share, but should be a great time, and I would say, hey, please plan on joining us uh, uh, for the whole thing or sometime during the uh, uh, the course of the day. COVID up upticks, guys. With numbers spiking up, it seems our leaders again are in the shutdown mode. Uh, jobs are disappearing. Benefits have run out, man. A lot of guys, you know, they're hurting. And uh, 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 
kids are at home and you know things are going on and they're bouncing off the walls and uh, we don't pretend to have all the answers we as Christians but uh, but we serve a God who promised us never to leave us nor forsake us in him is the hope and in him alone and I think that you know what we can offer is a little bit of encouragement what we can offer is a little bit of hope what we can offer is hey good things can happen for those who are in Christ Jesus so you know be ready because they're all around you know they're at the bank they're standing in line or it might be the teller right in front of you that uh, you know her husband's been laid off from the the hotel and you know they're struggling to make their ends meet and uh, you know he was paying the mortgage she was paying everything else and now all of a sudden things have dried up you know uh, we know those who are stuck like say in the Philippines uh, I didn't realize that one of the candidates who were running for one of the offices last night ran his uh, his election from the Philippines because he couldn't get back here so you know, I, I, I know it's difficult, but um, uh, it's a tremendous time, but it's a time that we can offer a little bit of hope to those around us because they're all around us. They're in our neighborhoods. They might be shut in. They, you know, they might be at the grocery store when you're at the grocery store. So be aware and uh, be sensitive as you know, God might open those doors uh, to share the good news. And I think that as we go through the book of Acts, we're reminded that if the Lord was opening up doors that, you know, nobody thought he could open and nobody thought uh, would, would ever open, but he opened those doors and again uh, spoke the good news. People, you know, he used his body, his, his people, guys like you and I, to share the gospel message and just offer a little bit of hope. And uh, we're going to kind of look at that this morning as we think that, hey, how come guys, more guys aren't so open to uh, the, the word of the Lord? But again, uh, uh, it's really, really unfortunate, the, the little gods that people worship today. But Acts chapter 11, Acts chapter 11. But well, we left off last time with uh, news of the Gentiles uh, uh, hearing the good news of Jesus Christ, guys, you know. Pardon me, I'm still kind of struggling with these uh, these glasses. You know, I had the three procedures on my left eye, and and God has taken me step by step, increment by increment. That I'm kind of at that place where um, I got okayed and I got my eyes checked, and uh, uh, now it's you know kind of waiting for new glasses, and hopefully the glasses will you know will work because you know one eye is still the same and one eye is 2020 now and I'm looking through the 2020 eye through these old lenses so it's really still obscured and uh, uh, so I went to that place they said they can do it in one day but one day it turned out to be it's like next day air you know you know UPS next day air UPS next day air is never next day air it's usually about two and a half days if you're lucky and it's usually three or four days. So, so they say, oh, we can do it in one day. So one day it turned to four days. And they say, oh, stand by your phone. I'll call you when it's ready. And, you know, I've been standing. And lucky they didn't say, hold your breath, because I'd be out of breath by now. <laughs> but, but just fortunate that, you know, um, the eye is still there and it's still being used. But the Lord, with his divine leading and guidance, led Peter to the house of Cornelius, where many people had assembled with great anticipation as to what 
the Lord would do. You know, these people had great anticipation, great things were going to happen. It's kind of like us again. We mentioned that the harvest crusades we had here in the islands, how people were had this great anticipation that the Lord was going to move and a lot of people would be uh, saved and giving their lives uh, to him. But remember Cornelius, he was, Cornelius was a, was a Roman soldier, guys. He was described as a devout man who feared God and had given many gifts of charity to the Jewish people. Apparently he was a man of means. He was a high-ranking officer within the Roman army. He, you know, he led the big garrison there uh, at, the Roman, uh, at the Roman capital there in Judea. But uh, uh, he was again uh, regarded as a man of prayer who was in continual prayer, the Bible tells us. But you know, one thing, it took me back to Genesis 12, that as we read that uh, he, he gave many uh, gifts to the Jewish people, gifts of love, gifts of charity. Uh, Genesis 12 telling us, I will bless those who bless you. And I really, uh, I really believe that, I think that that's why the United States has been particularly blessed because, you know, we have been one of the guys that have come alongside the nation of Israel. We've tried to help them and assist them. And I really think that hey, we, we can't stop supporting Israel. And, you know, it's because I'm selfish. It's because I'm greedy. I'm looking for the Lord's blessing for myself and, you know, ultimately to trickle down onto our nation, the people of our nation. But I really think that like, like this Cornelius, God said, I will bless those who bless you. Cornelius sought to be a blessing to the, the people of Israel and the God of the people of Israel. And uh, I always default back to Hebrews 11.6, which tells us he is a rewarder of those who seek him. You know, as we seek God first, his kingdom and his righteousness, you know, it's him who brings the reward. It's him who uh, provides. It's him who makes that way for us. And we're going to see that even in the difficult times, uh, he still uh, makes that way and, uh, for us. But... Uh, in this, I find great comfort in the thought that those who are sincerely seeking the Lord will not be shut out or treated or turned away, that somehow the truth of the gospel message of Jesus Christ will be revealed to them. You know, guys truly seeking God, God is somehow going to minister to them. It's, it's like that guy told you guys uh, uh, about on Wednesday night that he says that, hey, I've been watching Christian TV and my wife's been watching and... When I go out at night and I walk in my dog, I look up into the heavens and, you know, he didn't say I pray to him, but he says, yeah, I'm kind of talking with God, you know. And I see the hand, I, I see uh, the beauty of his creation. He didn't say it that way, but I know that's what's going on. I know that God is revealing to him the beauty of his creation and the wonder, hey, how large is our galaxy and how you know, how did we get here? How do we exist? And, you know, the questions that man have been asking themselves for eternity. And, and he says, uh, the heavens, uh, the, the psalmist says, the heavens declare the glory of God and how true it is. And chapter 11, we, uh, we begin here. Now the apostles and the brethren who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And we, when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those who were who were circumcised took issue with him, saying, "We went to uh, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them." And uh, who? Uh, no, there was some hoo hoo. There was some pilikia, and the, the the word of salvation traveled quickly and soon uh, reached those in Jerusalem. In verse two, we see the those of the circumcision. You know, these were the devout guys. These were the guys who held fast to the Jewish traditions that says that hey, those outside of the Jewish nation, the Jewish faith. 
they're on the ounce, man. They, you know, they ain't happening. You ain't breaking bread with them. You're not, we're not supposed to consort with them. They were still held by the walls of separation that uh, divided the Jew and the Gentile. You know, I love it where Paul says in Ephesians, he wrote to the Ephesians, he says, you've made the two into one man. And, and now why we feel such, maybe as Christians, we feel this affinity with the people of Israel, with the Jewish nation. It's because he's made the two of us into one. He's blended the two into one. And he's grafted in the wild uh, into the domestic vine. He says, you know, you guys are now in that vine, in that family of Christ. And uh, we have the same benefits and the blessings of the children of Israel. These guys, uh, they were unsettled with the news that Peter had close, intimate fellowship with those outside of the strict Jewish uh, persuasion, guys. And the tone of voice in verse 3 is almost accusatory. They're almost like accusing Peter. Hey, you, you really blew it, man, and, and condescending. And they were looking down at and says, what are you doing? What, what kind of, you know, what are you thinking? But here in verses 4 to 14, Peter began speaking and proceeded to explain to them in orderly sequence, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying and in a trance. I saw a vision and an object coming down like a great sheet lowered by four corners from the sky. It came right down to me and when I had fixed my gaze on it and observing it, I saw the four-footed animals of the earth and the wild beasts and the crawling creatures and the birds of the air. I also heard a voice saying to me, get up, Peter, kill and eat. And I said, by no means, Lord, for nothing unholy or unclean has ever entered my mouth. And a voice from heaven answered a second time, what God has cleansed, no longer considered unholy. And this happened to me three times. And every time, uh, everything was drawn back into the sky. And behold, at that moment, three men appeared at the house I was staying. We were staying and having been sent from, uh, to me from Caesarea, the spirit told me to go with them without misgivings. And, uh, and these six brethren also uh, went with me, and we entered the man's house. And he reported to us how he had seen the angel standing in his house, saying, Send to Joppa, have Simon, who was also called Peter, brought here, and he will speak words to you by which you will be saved, you and all your household. And I began to, uh, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, just as he did upon us at the beginning. You know, Peter, in a very calm and orderly manner, explains the events that led up to the, uh, the preaching of the gospel to this group of non-Jewish seekers who were seeking God. And uh, uh, he lays out very clearly how God ministered to him in regards that he himself uh, uh, once considered uh, what, what he himself considered unclean and, and unholy. God had cleansed and made holy and set them apart for salvation. And it's a, it's a great thing because what it says is that salvation, the, the salvation of Jesus Christ is for all mankind. It's for all mankind. Again, we go back to the, the book of Genesis where God told Abram, all the nations of the world shall be blessed by you. And really, again, speaking of the forthcoming of Jesus Christ who came to be the Savior of the world. For, for we today, there are many within our own community uh, we have difficulty with, guys, uh, uh, with the advancement of the LGBTQ agenda, guys, we may feel that, almost feel grossed out as we watch mainline TV channels that regularly feature 
gay relationships, transsexuals, and transgender situations on a regular basis now. It's almost becoming mainstream. And we kind of turn the channel, we roll our eyes, and we, you know, we, we feel that this is so bad. But um, uh, out of the closet, open doors, now wide open since the same-sex marriage restrictions uh, were torn down, guys. Uh, we may be turned off by the homeless, but in whatever the scenario or the case may be, Jesus still loves the homeless. He loves the gay. He loves those insane guys. Sometimes the guys are just out of their minds. They're walking around on the streets. He sees, he loves the insanity we see on our street. Well, he doesn't love the insanity. He loves the people causing that uh, insanity. And again, um, it's uh, at times, uh, At times, the, um, the druggies and the alcoholics and those uh, whose lives are drastically altered by substance abuse and mental illness. You know, he looks at the, these, uh, these folks or these groups of people that we might avoid, we might uh, 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 be turned off by. God loves them, and he looks at them. Like, you know, like uh, those who are downcast and downtrodden, those who are proud in their, their stances that they take, and those that... Uh, are, are really against God. A lot of them are really just against God, but God loves them. It's a good place for us to be at is that we love and pray for them. As we see with Peter, the Lord might direct us to a, a door, an open door of ministry one day. You know, Pastor Chuck, he would often share the, uh, that he looked, uh, he would look over the sea of hippies back in those old days, you know, when the hippies were barefoot and they were loaded on pot and drugs and everything else and protesting make love not war and you know a lot of them were homeless guys you know just hanging around and you know he'd look out at that sea of uh, hippies and the lord gave him uh, and his wife such a love for the hippies and most of the community because they were out of the mainstream uh, thing of uh, decency and so on and so forth it seemed like that the people didn't like them you know and a lot of the people within the church disdain that the hippies would come in with their dirty bare feet and dirty up the place and so on and so forth. But yet, the love that, uh, uh, that Jesus gave to Pastor Chuck was a for, to love these guys just as, you know, the Lord loves them. And it's the same for us today as we look at certain groups of people. We might think that, oh, they're tearing down Portland, or oh, they're tearing down Seattle, or oh, they're tearing down this, they're tearing down statues, they're tearing down this, but you know, God, looks out at them with love and uh, uh, I don't know what it takes or you know who's called or or what if I'm called or you're called to go and minister uh, to these various groups and uh, again Jesus uh, loves them and uh, we have to love them just as they are also 16 and 17 uh, he says that I remember the word of the Lord and how he used to say John baptized with water but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit therefore if God gave to uh, gave to them the same gift he gave to us. Also after believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? And when they heard this, they quieted down and they glorified God saying, well then, God has granted to Gentiles also the repentance that leads to life. Peter explains how the Holy Spirit was poured out upon this group of people known as the Gentiles and, and it became irrefutable that the Lord had opened wide the doors 
of uh, salvation and life in Jesus Christ for all mankind. You know, it might be, uh, you know, after 911, we looked at the faces of the terrorists, you know, those who had given their lives uh, to the killing of the, the people, the American people, you know, those within the World Trade Center, those within the Pentagon and so on and so forth. And, you know, the face of ugliness, the face of these guys, uh, uh, murderers were portrayed and we, we kind of uh, might have taken that hey, the whole the whole uh, Muslim world is, uh, uh, is is such as these they want to kill us and you know we became uh, maybe a little bit of jaded uh, maybe a little bit prejudiced to the people of uh, this persuasion but you know God loves them and you know with excitement we, we hear that the word of God is going out to places like Iran and many pe people are giving their hearts and lives to the Lord in the, 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 the Arabic world, the Muslim world. And many of them themselves are seekers of God, truly seeking more than what these uh, uh, Allahs are telling them or wh whatever they are, the, the, the holy men of uh, the Islam faith. But uh, again, they're looking for the answers. They're looking for a reason. They're looking for a little bit of hope, a little bit of love, a little bit of... Uh, uh, acceptance in in the love of Jesus Christ. In 19, he goes on, and those who were scattered because they were persecuted, uh, the persecution had occurred in connection with Steve and made their way to Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word uh, to no one except to Jews alone. I'd like to uh, comment on this verse, guys, that um, at the stoning of Stephen came a great scattering or dispersion of the believers that came from persecution or the fear of persecution, guys. And you know, uh, God is so good uh, that uh, God knew like a puff of air uh, or a hot breath of a person or a child blowing on a dandelion flower red. Have you guys ever done that in the schoolyard? You picked a dandelion and you saw all the little, the flowers, there were seeds. And how we picked that and we just kind of blow on them and they would just fly through the air, man. And, you know, the, the word of God was like that in the hearts and lives of believers. God took that persecution and he dispersed the people throughout the land and, uh, uh, and, and throughout all the world, taking along with them the good news of Jesus Christ. The word traveled fast and the fear of persecution came, but along that they took the love of Jesus Christ with them wherever they went, and guys were getting saved. And uh, uh, Some members of Jesus' inner circle who took the gospel to the nation, we remember Thomas. Remember Thomas? We love to call him. We don't call him Thomas. Oh, Doubting Thomas, yeah? Because we always think of Thomas as Doubting Thomas. We know him continually as Doubting Thomas. He preached the gospel uh, in Persia, Parthenia, and then he took the gospel all the way to India. He followed those trade routes right across the Middle East and into the Far East and, and uh, dispersed the word of God like, uh, like uh, the, the singing of birds, uh, bringing their bright sound and their melody into these different lands. Uh, Bartholomew also took the gospel to India. Andrew and Jude both took the gospel to uh, Edessa, an ancient city in Mesopotamia. Philip took the gospel to Gaza where the Ethiopian eunuch received the Lord and he took it back to Ethiopia, northern Africa with him. I, I love Philip. Uh, he had a uh, dynamite ministry going on in Samaria. 
People were getting saved. It was a very vibrant ministry. And the Lord all of a sudden says, Hey, Philip, leave your ministry here in Samaria and go down to the desert road. Go down to Gaza, you know, the land of the Philistines. Go down to that God-forsaken strip and, and, uh, and, and wait for instructions there. And he said, okay, Lord, I'll go. And, you know, he left the ministry and he went down into the wilderness, into this desert area. And you kind of think that, wow, Lord, am I being put on the shelf? Did I do something wrong? Did I, uh, did I blow it somehow? Am I being punished because you're taking me out? from this great ministry and, and uh, you're sending me out to the desert, this God-forsaken place of Gaza. And here comes this divine appointment with the, uh, the eunuch from uh, Ethiopia, a eunuch of Candace, you know, uh, uh, the, the ruler of uh, Ethiopia. He comes and uh, Philip ministers to him. He gets saved, he gets baptized right there. And, uh, you know, uh, Philip goes on and uh, uh, the Ethiopian went, went forth with great joy taking the gospel, the, the message of salvation with him back to Ethiopia. In modern history, guys, the Catholic Church in taking the gospel to Japan, where 26 followers were crucified for their faith in Nagasaki in 1597. You know, modern day crucifixions, modern day persecutions have continued from the very beginning of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And I thought it's so funny because, uh, you know, again, it is a time of holiday in Japan right now. I, I work with some people from uh, factories in Japan and they say, oh, we're going on holiday on this, this date. And I thought, oh, it's, so, it's strange that uh, this holiday coincides with the bombing. You know, I, I think uh, Hiroshima was bombed on the 6th of August and Nagasaki on the 8th of August, uh, the, the second atomic bomb. And I, I thought that, Lord, uh, uh, out of all the places you picked Nagasaki, where it was a bastion of Christian Christianity, and I believe there's still, you know, a hundred something Catholic churches or Christian churches there in Nagasaki till this day, it still has proliferated. And even with the death of uh, a lot of these Christians, with the dropping of that second atomic bomb, you know, I really believe their lives became a sweet-smelling aroma, a sweet-smelling sacrifice as unto the Lord, given up to Him uh, in their service, in their ministry uh, to the Japanese people, but more so in their ministry to the Lord, as they lived their lives as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing unto Him. You know, their reasonable service of worship. And that should be our reasonable service of worship also, that we live our lives as those living sacrifices, consumed by fire and, you know, becoming a sweet-smelling offering unto the Lord. Amen, guys? You know. Uh, I think that's so great. Well, you know, our prayers, our praise, our praises all go up in these golden bowls like incense before the Lord, you know, uh, Revelation tells us. And, uh, you know, there's so many good parts in the Bible. Read the whole Bible, you guys. <laughs> I cannot just say read Revelation or read this or read that. Read the whole Bible because it's such a blessing. Uh, we go on in 20. Uh, but there were some men from Cyprus and Cyrene who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks, also preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. The word spread like wildfire of this Jew, uh, Jesus, and large numbers turned to the Lord. And why is it? Why is it uh, that, you know, so many people gave their lives to the Lord back then? You might ask, why is it so hard for people to come? 
to receive uh, come to Jesus or receive the Lord Jesus today. Why is it so difficult? Why do you have all the, the strange looks and the, they show you the hand or they show you this or they show you that, you know? They don't want to hear it. Why is that? Pastor Chuck said a lot of people have, uh, have intellectual hang-ups. They have made their intellect their God. And you, when you kind of think about it, where were you before you came to the Lord? You were thinking that, hey, I'm large, I'm in charge, I'm smart, I can figure it out. You know, I made it this far. You know, uh, I, I know that Frank Sinatra sang that song, I did it my way. And you know, many people wanted to do it their way. And many people still today continue to believe that I'm doing it my way. I think I can, I can get it in, I get in on my own merits. I think I'm good enough that, you know, I'll be okay. Uh, but they cannot understand or comprehend the meaning of incarnation or its purpose. The substitutionary death of Jesus Christ on the cross. They do not partake of the tree of life. They don't come to that tree of life. And uh, the opportunity is there for them. They don't come. It's like Adam and Eve, guys. They had the opportunity to eat the fruit from the tree of life. Or they had the opportunity to take the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the Lord told them, hey, you can eat from any tree of the garden you can eat except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Why did they choose that? You know, why didn't they choose the tree of life? You know, things would have turned out different. The tree of the uh, knowledge of good and evil says that, hey, I can become like God. I can be as smart as God. I can have uh, self-autonomy. I can have free will, and I'll be as smart as God. And I think that many men have come today and partaken of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and they've eaten its fruit, saying that, hey, I think I can get in on my own. I think I'm just as wise as God. And these guys that preach the tree of life, the cross of Jesus Christ, they're kind of nonsensical. They kind of weaken the head, or they, they really uh, uh, went off the deep end as they preach this Jesus, this Jesus now. The news about them reached the ears of the Church of Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. And when he arrived and witnessed uh, 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 the grace of God, he rejoiced and began to encourage them with resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. Don't you just love the writing of the New American Standard Bible? He began to ex uh, encourage them and with a resolute heart. He, was, he had resolve in his heart uh, to remain true to the Lord. And, you know, it's the same thing the Lord would tell us today, that we be resolute and we remain true to the Lord. Remember that Barnabas, uh, he was the son of encouragement, his name meaning the son of encouragement. He saw, uh, we saw him early in, the, uh, in Acts chapter 4, uh, uh, giving property to the work of the Lord, uh, to the church, and then coming alongside of Saul in Acts chapter 9 to encourage the new believer who would eventually have his name changed to Paul. He would become the apostle Paul. But this guy, this Barnabas, this son of encouragement, was one who came alongside and encouraged the work of the church. He encouraged the, the things of these new believers. And here, he began to encourage all these Gentile believers that they should remain resolute and remain true to the Lord. And you know, I want to think that we all are Barnabases, guys. And even as we come together, we can gather together and we can encourage one another and we can spur one another on to love and good deeds. You know, I love that verse in uh, Hebrews that says, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. And 
sometimes others need a little bit more stimulation than others. And, you know, as I say that, you can see me lifting up my, my right, right foot, and <laughs> the resolute foot, the right foot of a fellowship. Like, come on, get it into gear. <laughs> and, and, uh, and again, you know, we want to encourage, and sometimes we got to drag people along almost, you know. I don't know about you, but some come kicking and screaming, and I can really identify with that because I think I was one that came kicking and screaming. I didn't want to go; they dragged me along anyway, you know. And uh, uh, he goes on. They left for Tarsus to look for Saul. They found him. They brought him to Antioch, and for an entire year, they met with the church and thought considerable numbers uh, uh, were. They were first called Christians here in Antioch. And here again, again, uh, uh, Antioch was a city in Syria in the northern part, you know, above uh, Israel. And uh, uh, the followers were first called Christians. Or like you, you guys are like little Christ, or like little miniature imitators of Jesus Christ. And I think they probably meant that as almost like a derisive comment. Oh, you Christians, you like spitting it out of the side of your mouth. But it really became a badge of honor that, oh, you guys are like little Christ. And, and, you know, somebody might, might have told one of your friends or your family, oh, the guy's a Jesus man now. Well, she turned to a Jesus lady now. And they said in a real wise manner, like, oh, what happened to that guy? But, you know, it's a real, uh, it's something that says, hey, they see us, they see Jesus. They don't like it. You know, a lot of guys, they don't like it. I don't know if it's conviction or what it might be, but uh, um, they don't like it. Going on to 12, uh, chapter 12, it came about that time that Herod the king laid hands on some who belonged to the church in order to mistreat them. Uh, uh, and in, he had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. Uh, in, in this world, we see that we have tribulation, guys, and trial. Now in AD 54 to 68, Nero was a particularly cruel Roman empire who began the persecution of the church. He would uh, have his hand in both Peter and Paul's uh, deaths, guys. And, you know, this is kind of really leading us right up into the first and second Peter because we stopped at uh, second Timothy, which was the second to the last letter of Paul. And we interjected Peter's life right in between first and second Timothy. But Nero would be, have his hand in both these men's death, Peter and Paul's deaths, and this would bring about several centuries where Roman, the Roman government tried to wipe out Christianity. Can you think that, that a government was trying to wipe out Christianity? Kind of far-fetched. You think that our world today would ever be in that place where they're going to try and wipe out Christians? Oh, yeah. You know, during that period of great tribulation. Oh, yeah, even right now before the coming of the Lord, uh, Christians are being persecuted. Christians are being dismissed. Christians are, uh, the, our government officials won't even listen to the Christians, you know. But uh, uh, the, 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 the Roman government tried to wipe out Christianity with some thinking perhaps as many as six million Christians were killed during, you know, uh, the couple centuries after uh, Jesus Christ, guys. Jesus reminds all believers, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he were dead, yet he shall live. 
you know, in other words, uh, whatever it is, man, you know, we believe in the resurrection and the life that comes in Jesus Christ. And even if we die, hey, we're going to live with him for all eternity. That's the win for the Christian. Jesus says, because I live, you shall also live. You shall also live. And these are the things we place our hope in. You know, these are both in John's gospel John 11 and uh, John 15. And here and uh, he goes on. And now when he saw, he saw it, it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out before the people. Herod had enough respect for the Jewish traditions and the timing of the unleavened bread and Passover. Uh, uh, brought a little time for what he planned to do with Peter. He was going to give Peter over. He was going to let the Jews have their way. The Jews would say, hey, put him to death. Put him to death, man. But uh, um, imagine it comes down to the wire at times, guys. We don't know how things are going to pan out. Don't, don't, haven't you ever been in a situation like that? You just don't know how things are going to work out. You're coming down to the last few days, the last few weeks, the last few days, the last few moments of time. And this is where Peter was at. We just can't see any resolution. Then God moves, and very uncomfortable, the testing of our faith, yeah. We gotta, we gotta rely on God because we just don't know what's gonna happen. It doesn't look good. And, and uh, we just gotta say, hey, God, I lay it before you. I lay it before you. It's like Hezekiah. I always go back to Hezekiah and Isaiah going to the temple and laying out the accusations of the enemy, Sennacherib, before the Lord and just saying, hey, Lord, this is what's coming down. This is what this Assyrian king is telling us of the people of Judah. We lay it all before you. We come before you in prayer, Lord, not knowing what's going to happen, not knowing of the outcome, Lord, but we just come and we lay it and entrust it to you. And at times, many of our situations, our life situations are like that. We come to a crossroad. And the, the thing is where, where we go to seek comfort and consolation and, and, and hope and counsel and, and uh, a faith and trust because we don't know what the outcome will be at times. And again, this is exactly where Peter was at. Five saying that, uh, so Peter was kept in prison, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church to God. Whatever the situation, prayer is our way of communicating to the Lord, as in this situation, the need for uh, this intervention. And you know, sometimes that's all we can say. You know, you text a message to somebody, I'm praying, I'm praying. And sometimes you want to do something more, but uh, the best thing we can do is we can commit it to prayer. And, and no matter what, uh, each and every step of the way, each and every increment of the time, uh, several weeks ago, maybe a month ago already, I had a meeting with the, some of the guys on the waterfront. We had an early morning meeting, and uh, the word came out that two of the brothers had tested positive uh, with the coronavirus and then you know one of them right away went into uh the hospital and uh, i think i think it went as far as he was on the ventilator and uh, we seen him through the constant prayer of a bunch of the guys you know and uh, ourselves uh 
you know, he weaned himself off the ventilator, back into ox onto oxygen, into physical therapy. And now I got a little video of him yesterday, I think, uh, still on the bed, but his dog uh, running on the bed and jumping him and licking him on the face. And, you know, he's alive and well and at home and uh, praising the Lord for, you know, uh, his resolution. And uh, I, I think that uh, he was telling his wife, I got to go work on Monday. <laughs> and the guys came back and said, tell him not go work. <laughs> That'll recover. But, you know, he was still recovering. And, you know, they said that he was delirious. He said, I got to get up. I got to go work. <laughs> and here it is, prayer. Prayer works, guys. And, you know, sometimes we don't. We pray for years. And sometimes uh, it takes those years. Sometimes we might be, we, the Lord might take us home before we see the answer to those prayers. You know, I, I, I told you of my friend, he said this father would put all the quarters up on the dresser, one quarter for each kid so they could take their quarter and go to church. It's not, I'm taking you, you guys go to church. Here's your offering. Go to church, go worship the Lord, go seek the Lord. And he would be praying for his kids. And sometimes the quarters were taken. Sometimes they weren't. Sometimes the quarters never made it to church. <laughs> they went down to the corner candy store. But he said, oh, the, the Lord heard the prayers of my dad from all those years. And the prayers are affecting even now down to my kids, you know. And, and uh, he says that it's really the prayers of his mom and dad. And, you know, how many of you have heard that, oh, it was because of my grandma? praying or because of my auntie or because of that love my Sunday school teacher or whatever it might have been you know praying for for me and they they acknowledge now after the fact many years pass uh, these things happen prayer was that way of intervention for on Peter's behalf on that very night when Herod was about to bring him forward, verse 6, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and guards in front of the door uh, uh, watching over the prison and behold an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared and a light shone in the cell he struck Peter's side and woke him up saying get up quickly and his chains fell off his hands and the angel said to him gird yourself put on your sandals and he did so and he said wrap your cloak around you and follow me and he went out and continued to follow and he being not uh, not knowing he did not know what was being done but the angel by the angel was real, but he thought he was seeing a vision. And when they passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate that leads into the city, which opened for them by itself. And they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. Here's that, uh, uh, that word again, immediately. But you know, uh, uh, at, at times uh, God is leading us and guiding us, and he says, hey, this is the way you're going to go. This is what's going to happen. Uh, uh, on that very night, but we're told here in verse 6, on the very night, the Lord's rescue party comes and uh, in the nick of time, snatching Peter out of the jaws of death. I'm often reminded of Daniel's situation, guys, where God's angels relayed to him of his prayers were being heard. But the prince of Persia withstanding him for 21 days, a 21-day period of time, till the angel Michael came to assist with the kings of Persia. You know, what it says is that we live in a, this realm, we live in a realm where there is spiritual warfare and spiritual battles going on. What did God's messenger tell 
uh, Daniel, hey, we heard your prayers from the day you prayed them, but, you know, we were being withheld from coming to bring resolution and to bring answer for these 21 days until, you know, the Lord dispatched Michael, the, you know, to come and help me against these kings of Persia, against these principalities, these powerful, uh, these uh, forces of darkness, the darkness, guys. And uh, again, no doubt the spiritual forces of darkness that hinder and seek to uh, cause greater distress in the lives of God's people. Isaiah 25 and 26, I got written in red over here in my notes, guys. Isaiah 25 and 26. You guys can read that when you have a chance later on. Great uh, two chapters in Isaiah. Uh, he goes on in 11. Peter came to himself and said, Now I know for sure the Lord has sent forth his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod, from all that the Jewish people were expecting. And when he realized, he went into the house of Mary, the mother of John, who was also called Mark, where they were gathered together. They were praying for him. And Peter was amazed, blown away, realizing that all that was going on was for real. You know, it's kind of like we say, for real. You know, you see that T-shirt, for real. <laughs> The guys look at you for real when you tell them something. <laughs> and again, uh, he goes in. He knocked at the door of the gate, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. She recognized Peter's voice, but because of her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter was there, standing in front of the gate. And they said to her, you're out of your mind. And she kept insisting that it was so, and kept saying, it is, they kept saying, it is his angel. Uh, these praying... <laughs> These, these praying did not believe. Is this uh, sort of like with us at times? We pray, but we really don't believe. I don't know about you guys. You ever come to that place, you pray, and sometimes uh, uh, the, the situation seems so impossible that we already have in the back of our minds uh, and come to one conclusion, and it's not happening. Isn't that so terrible, the flesh? We're already thinking that, hey, this is not happening. Uh, but Peter continued knocking. When they saw, they opened the door. They saw him. They were amazed. Uh, and motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had led him out of the prison and said, report these things to James and the brethren. Then he left and went to another place. Uh, the, the, the virtues, uh, the witness of God's faithfulness coupled with Peter's testimony, must have strengthened the faith of the believers. Remember, James had, uh, had been killed by the same King Herod. So his intervention blew the people away, thinking that, well, they were thinking that Peter's a goner. Hey, James just got killed the other week, guys, by Herod. Now Peter's going to, Peter's head is on the chopping block, too. James got killed, and, and Peter somehow... Uh, the Lord uh, rescued him. Uh, when the day, I cannot explain why he does that one for another. I, I, I cannot. God is faithful. God is sovereign. He's going to make up his mind, and he knows who. Maybe he wanted James to come home just a little bit sooner. I always default back to Enoch, the, st the, st the star star uh, story of Enoch in Genesis. Enoch was, and he was not. You know, Enoch walked with God. Enoch loved the Lord, the loved Lord Enoch. And, you know, one day he just came and he took Enoch home. 
And I like to think that one day, you know, God is just going to take us home too. And I hope it's all together. I hope uh, we don't have to really go through a lot of hard times of translation. But how easy it is, it is to just think that, hey, we're going on a walk and God just comes and he takes us right home to be with him. What a beautiful situation that is. Yeah. And now, uh, here today, gone to heaven. Hey, that's better than here today, gone to Maui, yeah, that old t-shirt. <laughs> This, the, the, the witness of God's faithfulness coupled with, coupled with Peter's testimony must have strengthened the faith of the believers, guys. Remember, you know, James again just died. But again, here it is, God miraculously uh, rescuing Peter. And then the day came, there was no small disturbance among the soldiers as to what could have become of Peter. When Herod had searched for him, they did not find him, but he examined the guards and ordered them to be led away to execution. Then he went down from Judea to Caesarea and was spending time there. The entire uh, intended executioners now themselves led away to their own demise. This is where Peter was at, guys. He was at here, right here in Psalm 31. He says, for I've heard the slander of many, terror is on every side, and while they took counsel together against me, they schemed to take away my life. But as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. And I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. And now deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. Make your face to shine upon your servant. Save me in your loving kindness. You know, I think Peter came to that resolve my life and time are in your hands, Lord. And you do as you will with me. Lord, bless me and use me absolutely to the furtherance of your kingdom. But Lord, uh, uh, you know exactly. Uh, that's uh, part of the your extracurricular study in uh, Isaiah 25 and 26. My life and times are in your hands, O oh Lord, Isaiah wrote. And uh, uh, how true it is, how appropriate it is to the study today in the life of Peter. Let's pray, Father. Guys, Father God, we do want to thank you for this day, Lord, and we thank you for your faithful witness, Lord. We thank you for the scenarios and the situations and the witness of your word and the witness of the testimony uh, of your faithfulness and love, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord God, that even as you, you ask us at times hard questions, you show us where we might be at or where we've been and where you delivered us from or you you know you prep us for things upcoming in the future i'm not sure lord but uh we thank you for your sure word and your faithfulness lord and we thank you again for the certainty of the love of jesus christ lord we thank you for the certainty that he'll never leave us nor forsake us lord and we thank you lord that even in the most difficult of times lord uh, uh you can bless us and use us as we minister as we become those ministers out in the community, Lord, out on the sidewalks, Lord, out on the highways and byways of the marketplace of this world, at our working places, wherever it might be, Lord, uh, we thank you that you give us, uh, that you might give us an answer to the hope that lies within us, Lord, as we encounter various people out in the world uh, this day and each and every day, Lord, bring the opportunities our way. Uh, even as I, uh, the prophet says, use me, O oh Lord, use me. Uh, we thank you, Lord, uh, for the joy and the privilege it is to be blessed and used of you. We thank you in Jesus' name, Father. Amen and amen.